Are you sitting comfortably? Then we'll begin. everybody and welcome to another episode of There's Still Time, the AFTN Soccer Show, broadcasting on CITR Radio 101.9 FM from the unceded Musqueam Territory at the University of Beautiful and kind of wet, but kind of not at the same time, British Columbia. I'm Michael McCall. I'm Steve Panter. I'm Zachary Adam Eisenheimer. And I'm Navid Mashinchi. We have a, a feast of football to chat to you about tonight. Pretty much all Whitecaps related this week. We're going to talk about the Whitecaps draw with San Jose on Saturday night. Got to chat about that amazing come-from-behind victory on Wednesday as well, because we haven't covered that yet. We're going to look around the playoff picture in the MLS West. A couple of other little tidbits surrounding the, the Whitecaps this week. And look ahead to what already feels like a playoff match on Wednesday night against Minnesota United. And we're going to have a couple of tunes for you from this month's Artist of the Month, the chats, and of course, a, a very interesting and some may say controversial wavelength that we've got coming up later in the show as well. But before we get into all of that, we're going to continue the gift that keeps on giving or at least for another five shows, because we're rapidly running out of our box of 2011 Upper Deck MLS trading card packs. It's okay, I'm sure Steve's got the 2012 ones coming up <laughs> for us next as well. I'm sure the listeners are hoping he, he doesn't, but yeah, we've got five packs left to open. If you're a new listener, we're opening a pack a week, because we know it makes great radio. And we're picking our best team as the teams come out, and I've got the best team, but in a public vote, Zach would win the public vote because oh. I have some hated figures in I, my team. I believe both times my team has been, uh, both times we've evaluated this, I've come out on top. Yeah, that's the public vote because they hate uh, my team. I don't think, do you call Stephen Egan the public vote? I think that's that's more the X, the... Oh, there, but there have been a lot of changes since then, so that's a yes. long time ago. And I, I have Landy Cakes and Wando in my starting 11, so I'm never getting votes, so... Although maybe after his miss late on tonight, maybe folk are, are liking Wanda a little bit more. But let's get straight into the, the cards. My favourite thing is this sound. Oh, it just does it. Do you want me to go first? Yeah. I have I'm midfield, still recovering. Midfield forward, although later he did also play in defence. Uh, this card is from the Columbus crew. It's Robbie Rogers. Oh. I know you have that one. Yeah, I've got a midfielder and an RSL and MLS legend 
It's Ned Grabavoy. Oh, I don't have that one. Yeah, that's a good player. Uh, I can't repeat the the chant that Portland always sang for him. He's a former Bundesliga player, former Premier League player. But he's most known in these parts for representing the Flounders, the bald man, Casey Keller. Oh, Oh, well, I've got a goalkeeper next as well. She's a keeper. It's Nicole Barnhart from a team I have never heard of. FC Gold Pride. What? Oh, I never even heard of them. They're, no. they're probably a, a, either a relocated team or or something like that. This was her third year with them, and I've never heard of them. They were in the WPS. I mean, I, my knowledge on women's football is lacking a little bit, but at least I've usually they, heard of the teams. They were based out of... Uh, uh, um, San Francisco in 2010 was actually their last year. They dissolved, oh. so they're, they're no longer around. Holy they were only God. around for three years. Huh. My next card is uh, from uh, Michael's uh, former favorite Scottish team player's side. It's Ryan Smith from the Wiz. I mean, Kansas City. Oh. Uh, I've got a super draft card next. Houston Dynamo. It's a man. I've wanted here in Vancouver. We've never got him yet. It's Will Bruin. Nice. Oh. He was I, actually uh, a pick, pick of mine for the mock draft I did for the Whitecaps that first year. Ah. Instead of an inch off. Get your guns, get your shirts off, and let the, get the camera, the uh, the photo shoot begin. <laughs> I have former Vancouver Whitecap, Breck Shea. Oh. 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 Can he do it on a Tuesday night in Stoke? The answer was no. No. (laughs) He likes his guns and hats. Very, and don't forget his beautiful ass. Okay, I haven't remembered that. No, the the picture of him and his wife with the donkey. Okay, I don't recall that one. Oh, I've got that saved on my phone. (laughs) It's that beautiful a donkey. Am I next or are you next? You're next. I, I'm next. I wish this guy was a donkey because it would have been a nice little segue. But, I mean, it's fitting for him playing San Jose tonight. It's a defender. It's Ike Opara. Oh, I don't have that one yet. That's a good one. Good one. Um, I have uh, Houston Dynamo midfielder Corey Ash. Houston Dynamo. Uh, a guy well-known, which I think Zach has, former white cap, ever so briefly, Philadelphia Union midfielder Sebastian yeah. Yeah. I, Fred yeah. Gwynn from the Munster lookalike. Completely it's, not a very, it's not a very big ass brick she has. It's a very small one in the picture. Oh, yes, it's a tiny little ass, but it's a beautiful yes. ass. Miniature ass. Completing another uh, all new pack to me is uh, someone holding up a, a pair of golden boots because she scored a lot of goals. It's Marta. Oh, oh I think wow. I have her. You do. Yeah. My last one is another goalkeeper, Chicago Fire, Andrew Dykstra. Oh, yeah, I got him. So exciting cards, only four packs to go. Will we complete our set? That is the big burning question that Zach and me have got. But enough of that. Let's get on to the football chat now. That is what you're all here for. And normally... We start with the the latest game, which was played tonight. We're recording this on Saturday night. But before that, I have to rewind. I hadn't really planned on doing a recap of the midweek game because we hadn't done a midweek show. But 
when it's a game like that, how can you not talk a little bit about the Whitecaps? Fantastic come from behind victory in Portland on Wednesday night. Piggy Park went all quiet. It was lovely to hear. The only big disappointment of the night was that Whitecaps fans couldn't be down there in numbers to, to enjoy it, which was the heartbreaking thing. But what a comeback. What team spirit. Just what a team in general. For you guys, we'll, we'll start with Navid. Can you remember a better sort of comeback that, that the Whitecaps have had? Or where does that rank for you? in the, the Whitecaps MLS era, just in terms of games? Ooh, comeback. Wow, I actually can't think of a comeback. Like, mm. I don't know, maybe you guys, Zach, Steve, even Michael, I don't know if you guys remember a comeback like this. I, I can't actually remember can't anything of... like that. I, if they'd gone on and won that well, KC that... game in KC. that very yeah. first year. Camilo, yeah. 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 That, if they'd won that, that would have, probably rivaled it because we were because that was so dramatic and so late but and we were there as well uh yeah yeah, they haven't really showed a history of comebacks like i i honestly can't recall um anything there uh like it's hard to because usually they were a team that got ahead and then they held on to the lead it was like there's i i can probably bring up a couple of games where they gave away uh but it's hard to remember some of those ones that i know I think there was a game against New York City Red Bulls on the road that they they came that was pretty exciting when they yeah. came up for that, but it wasn't a. I don't recall a two goal comeback for a no, win. No. That's the thing. That's where the huge uh, result in this one. Yeah, that, I was I was at the Dead Bull one with. Uh, I think I think Doctor Drake Clazer scored an own goal, and then oh yeah, someone yeah. in Miller, someone in Kenny Miller, it's Kumiento, Kumiento scored a goal in that one. Oh, that was I think it was Oh no, this was, this, late. this was later. Yeah, oh, this was I, a later. Yeah, one. the Cumento one that was a good one. That was, I think, it was a tie though. Oh, that mm. was a tie. Okay, it's hard. Everything's so melded together. It's hard. I to know. Like, so, like in in football, especially modern day football, there's so many superlative views. There's so much hyperbole thrown about. But I mean, everything that is thrown at the team for this second half performance, I, I feel, is justified. I. Am I wrong in saying that when you look back at 11 seasons in MLS, this is one of the best wins that they've ever had. And because of what it could mean, it could even be the biggest win at this point of the season in a game that wasn't to secure something. I can't think of too many bigger wins. Um, I will say the the game where Watson scored late in against in Colorado. That was I mean, not in it was in BC Place, but against Colorado. The playoffs, that was huge. Twenty fifteen yeah. or fifteen. Yeah, that that secured yeah. a playoff spot though. Yeah, yeah secured. But but a, but but a win like that. Obviously, mm-hmm. again, not a comeback win, but it was a win. I, I would say that was a huge one. And yeah. this one had this one had the obviously there's still games to play, but it it had that uh, a, a feel of getting the team to another level uh, the way they came back against Portland. It, it was such a huge win in terms of, of playoff standings because for the second straight match day, the Whitecaps headed into a game with every other team around them having won and picked up like three massive points. RSL didn't play, but from the teams that did play, 
They all got points. The biggest of which being Minnesota, who came back from 2-1 down at home to Philly, and I watched that game, and it was just tremendous, and we'll obviously talk more about Minnesota later in the show. So they had to come away with, with something from this. But after that first half, it was such a poor start. They felt flat, they felt off the pace. Jimmy Chara put Portland in the lead 19 minutes in. It was a nice strike from him, but they just hadn't cleared the danger from the lovely lob into the box that, that Blanco had put in. And the Timbers were on top. I thought they would go on after that. And then just when it looked like the Whitecaps were going to get into half time, just one goal down, they give up that second goal. Aspria made it 2-0, quick interception, quick transition, back of the net after Javine Brown gave the ball away. Heading in at 2-0 down at halftime, I thought, that's it. Uh, it's it's done and dusted. I did not see them, not so much coming back. I just didn't feel they had anything in their mm-hmm. tank to come back. I mean, did, did anyone hold out any hope apart from Vanni Sartini and the guys who clearly thought they could get back into this? No, I mean, the game was playing out the way I kind of thought it would. Uh, but in the end, it's... Remember, this is not the first time in 2021 where they've had an awful showing or performance or result in the first half where they've like clawed back to get something from the game, whether a draw or a win. Um, but yeah, this was this is special because it's Portland away, right? Again, even with no fans there, to do to do what they did there is uh, yeah is momentous. For me, I yeah. thought I thought they had a chance at a draw, but I did not expect a win at all. And it was a very small chance. I would say like ten percent chance they could come back for a draw. Uh, but I had zero that they could come back and you know win the game outright. And that's the amazing part about the whole thing. Yeah, no, tons of respect to the guys, uh, staff, players, obviously. I mean, I mean, to me, I think I tweeted out, maybe I'm getting ahead of myself, but I tweeted out, give Benny Sertini a long-term deal after this one. Yeah, and because he's I got have, this team so motivated. These they, guys, they bought exactly, into they bought into, they run through wall for them. That's for sure. That's when, one, yeah. When you watch that extra time video that they oh, like, it's one of the best things that the brilliant. Whitecaps do. Up. I yeah. was ready to run through a wall for him exactly. after listening to that. Exactly. Like, he gets the players so fired up. And obviously, we don't know what it was like with Mark in the dressing room, but right. obviously, it didn't get the same results that, that Vanny's been getting from these guys. But he came out and he said to Sarita, the Caps reporter, as he was going out, we're going to win 3 2, mark that down. He fully believed they could get back into the game and, like, full credit to him. Because yeah. I, I didn't see where it was coming from. And then it all started. Diber Caicedo, that solo goal, Oof. picking it up in his own half, basically being allowed to just run through the timber unchallenged. No one tried to to put a foot in or a tackle or anything. It, it was I, like what it was like watching my son play FIFA. He gets the yeah. ball and he and he tries oh, to yeah. run with a fast player and get by guys and score. Right. It was like watching me defend in FIFA. <laughs> yeah. Or being able to know what buttons to press to actually tackle the person. But, I mean, it was a great solo goal. It's one of the goals of the season. It will certainly be up there uh, as the, a contender. The one thing I like about the goal, and I know it, it's... I, I don't know if he was trying to do this, but it seemed like at one point he kind of um, slowed down just a slight bit and then and pushed forward. 
there was like a small hesitation. And I think that really threw the defender off track. Uh, it, I thought I saw that and I watched it a couple more times. Kind of looks like he tried to do that. I don't know if he was just trying to gather the ball as well. I don't know what he was trying to do there. It, it was just tremendous. Uh-huh. Then, like Cavallini had come off totally ineffective in this game. He, he was just, yeah. just as well not being on the pitch. And you bring on Brian White, who you're trying to save a little bit because of the form he's been in. And wow, it's just... I mean, there was so much to like in this goal because Gaspar, and obviously we're going to talk a bit more about Gaspar in the next part from tonight, did so well to take that ball to the byline and the cross that he got in, it was pinpoint to White's head. He, he rises unchallenged into the back of the net, two all from nothing. And you're like, at that point, I thought they're going to go on and do this because it, it felt like... Portland was just completely shell-shocked by that point. Then they, they took the game to Portland, and it, it was a bit of an open game because Portland started to to get some more attacks. I would have loved to have been a fly in the Timbers locker room after that because oh, I'm pretty yeah. sure Gio Savarese would have absolutely lost his shit with them, oh. and quite rightly so, because they threw that away. And when you look at the table now and other results that's happening... This could be massive for them because it probably isn't going to cost them a playoff spot, although it still could, but it could cost them a home playoff game. Mm. And at this stage of proceedings, that could absolutely be massive. But the winning goal, I know some folk won't like it because Dahomey gets the ball. He was hitting the deck no matter whether he got touched or not. And obviously he would have been booked for simulation. But he he took that... It's what really talented players can do. When they run into the box at speed, they do that stop. It's smart of them. It's smart of them. Because he knew he was going he yeah, to bring contact. And he was Pull already from the on defender. his way down. Yeah. Yeah. Pull already from the on defender. his way down. Exactly. And Rankin bought it, hook, line and sinker. He, he just needed the slightest touch and it was never going to get overruled. Right. So, I mean, it, it was risky. If it hadn't come off, he'd have got a booking and a fine for embellishment. But it's worth it at that point. It's like, okay, so I'll get a booking, so what? But I could win a penalty here. And he won the penalty. And he finished it so coolly as well. And overall, I think that just summed up the, the team performance, that they had that belief, they had that confidence, they had that swagger. And it's it's felt such a long time since we've seen that in the Whitecaps team. Robbo's team 2017, probably, actually probably Robbo's team 2015, certainly had that swagger yeah. about them and the confidence and they're playing some lovely stuff. Um, I still think that was one of the best Whitecaps teams in the whole 11 years. And we won't go over old wounds again, but that, that was an MLS Cup winning team uh-huh. if they had been managed a little bit better. But it feels that... This team, and I was going to talk about this at the end, but we'll talk about it now. What this does for the team mentally, and I asked a few of the players about this after after the game, and obviously you, you know what they're going to say, but it, it, it does wonders for them mentally, but it also gets in the heads of their opponents because you've come back away from home against a top four team, having come off a game where you've just beaten one of the top two teams. 
But this shows that even if you're two goals up, if you're the opposition, you're like, we're not safe because they believe that they can get back into it. And for the Whitecaps, even if they go two goals down now, they're like, well, look, we did this away to Portland. We can come and do this again. So mentally, at this stage of the season, Zach, it's massive. Oh, yeah. I mean, the confidence uh, that it breeds is, you know, in, you know, you can't, you almost can't uh, weigh, weigh it, you know, like what it's worth. Um, and I think that, yeah, coming from behind by two goals away and away in Portland uh, should, I think, be one of the things that propels them into the playoffs when I didn't think they actually would make it. Totally agree with Zach. I mean, mentally and, I mean, these guys, they're definitely the confidence lovers, like, at the top now, that's for sure. And well, but uh, you've, you've been in locker rooms. Uh, yeah, I mean, especially the timing right now, as, we, as you said, like, towards the end of the season, this could really, like, push them really uh, further, and hopefully, I mean, we'll see what happens down the road, but hopefully this really pushes them forward, that's for sure. Because we always talk about momentum, Steve, and... Like that's obviously a huge part of it, the team that's in form hitting the playoffs, but confidence as well and self-belief plays a big part. And after the game, Vanny said he just feels this team needs a bit more self-belief. So if they're yeah. doing that and they're still not believing in themselves, if they do now believe in themselves, they should be unbeatable. They didn't get beat tonight, but I don't know how much gas they had left in the tank by that point. But for, as a fan watching it, as media covering it, what does it do for your confidence for this team? Well, I had, I had, I, I thought they could do it. Like I, I kind of had them like before this week. I had them winning the four points, except I had them drawing in Portland and winning in San Jose. Yeah. So it was, it was yeah. reverse the results. But um, I feel like the their 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 confidence is building, been building slowly over time. It's just not like obviously this one probably puts more confidence in the people watching the games. I, I like, I know Vanny saying that they should have more confidence in themselves, but I feel like they've, they've had a swagger for the last two, three months. It's just not, yeah. it's just that the, 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 not the mentality, but the, the performance on the pitch hasn't caught up to their confidence. And I think it's finally catching up. And, and I, I think that like people watching at home, because they, they dwell on the negative um, uh, results or, negative uh, moments in the match that they're not seeing the full you know portion of the game of the way they're playing and i think that's probably why um that game against portland has really elevated team or, or into a new stratosphere for a lot of people I, I think it's made others around mls sit up and take notice now some had already and some were saying don't write off this whitecaps team they're playoff contenders but that after those two results Six points against two of the top four teams. There's no way, Naveed, that you're not looking at the Whitecaps as a, a, a threat. Yes, Seattle destroyed them a few weeks ago, but right. maybe aside from Seattle, there's no one they should fear. No, and I think that shows you, I mean, it's full credit to Vanny Zartini, to be honest. I mean, as we mentioned already earlier in the show, I mean, the guys, I mean, they're running through a wall for him for sure. Mm. Um, yeah, but, it, but my, I know you yeah, guys but, discussed this. I, I know you guys discussed this earlier, but how much, how long do those things last sometimes, too? Yeah, I was like, going to mention like, that as well because he's riding yeah, a wave he, just now. Can yeah. he do, if he got the job full time, do you get that for a whole season? And and, yeah. and, the, and the wave was, had already started when he got on it. Like it was like at, at, at halfway going up, right? It's like 
the thing it's is, like joining is, a like, rocket ship just after it's taken off. Yeah, exactly. And then he's and, taking and, it into the stratosphere. Yeah, and I think I think he's. I, I'm giving him full credit for what he's doing because he's pulling the right strings and everything when he needs to. But I just want somebody who's good for a full like like. I don't want somebody hired just because of a short run here, and yeah, then right, all of a sudden right, it right. falls off the off the cliff next year. So that I but, just want to be yeah. careful about that. I I totally get it, but I mean we have seen it in the past with. I mean. Zach obviously knows Hansi Flick. There's certain examples, a lot of these examples where like assistant coaches or like coaches from like academy come up and they're, or like even, I mean, not Schmetzer, I shouldn't say that example. I, I was going to say Schmetzer, but, but he obviously he had a he lot had of experience. A, exactly. But there is a few of those examples that, I mean, these guys can pull it off probably. Yeah. I, yeah. I, don't, think you, I don't think you can compare Hansi Flick. No, this, of course. I think, yeah, I think yeah, yeah. An, an MLS example that might be more, uh, potentially accurate would be Greg Vanny in Toronto and, and how that sort of played out. I was thinking but, of Freddy Juarez to an extent as well when he took over at RSL because he kind of just got thrust into it. Oh, yeah, and he had an interim, interim tag first yeah. too, right? Unlike Vanny, yeah. Well, that might be better, yeah. And took him to the playoffs. And, and, and he's also probably more on the like less known level yeah. than a Greg Vanny. Uh, what what yeah. about for you, Zach? Obviously, there's a lot of chatter. Oh, give Vanny the, the job now. I, I still think you have to wait to the end of the season before you do that because you, you don't want to lose any of the fire in him of, oh, I need to do this to, to maybe get the job. But there, there is a risk that this isn't sustainable over a whole season, as is the, the fact that Brian White exceeding his expected goals mm. margin by a mile <laughs> is really not something right. that over a, a whole season is going to be sustainable either you'd feel yeah I, I, they can't uh, it would be really surprising to me if they did any if they did any announcement before one they either qualified for the playoffs or two the season ended um i i think it would no it would distract yeah. it, it, it would distract from what they're doing like mm. you said and if they did make the playoffs it would Take away from the focus on that, if you will. So, I don't think it, I don't think there's a lot in it to to do that now, especially publicly and maybe internally. They, uh, yeah, that's true. Whatever they, there's you know people within the organization or you know who know what's going on or, or like know that that's what's going to be happening or whatever. But I would externally, I don't think it it's helpful to announce that at this point. Um, yeah, they, they need to keep pushing. Obviously, they're in at the moment, but they need like they need to keep going. You know, in this oh, Portland yeah. game, game, put them in, but it's it's not. I mean, right now, right now, right now Michael, it'd be kind of like, hey, let's announce our new, um, let's announce our new coach for next year, and it'd be kind of like that. You know, George W. Bush on the aircraft carrier with mission accomplished behind it, and it's like yeah, things aren't quite done yet. You know, like, it's like when they announced Rennie so early just because they had to to snap him up. Well, no, but that was di- that was di- that was different. Like that, Tom, that was really- Tommy Soane could have turned things around. He liked a hot dog, Michael. That's a very early callback to. Yeah, I mean, early I, shows. I think I think you'd actually have to talk to players to be able to turn them around. But whatever. Oh, maybe. Yeah. Um, but I mean, th- th- there's no doubt that Vanny has instilled a, a feel good factor in the locker room amongst the fan base. Amongst fan the media. base, people love him. Oh, right? <laughs> oh the, the the media call that that we did on. Friday was absolutely it was a lot of fun there, there was jokes there was f-bombs dropped mm. there was attempts to murder languages and yeah lot, lots of fun mm. just to finish this section off I want to play a little bit of audio actually from Vanni Sartini and also from from Florian Jungwirth 
two men that have seen a lot of football in the time, experienced a lot, and I, I just wanted to ask them at that press conference on Friday, just where that kind of comeback win ranks for them in terms of excitement and games that they've seen or been part of and, and stuff like that. Here's what they had to tell me. You've been involved in football in, for a long time. You've watched a lot of games. Where does that rank for you in like being proud of what you got out of your team, but just from an excitement aspect? It's top, top of top of my list. I would say uh, it top uh, the excitement as a fan when Fiorentina beat Juventus for two, be, be, being down two zero at the end of the first half. <laughs> <laughs> so what, uh, and even more, because of course I was involved in the game, but uh, I think what we did, uh, I received a lot of text message uh, the next day, even from guys and from people from Vancouver that uh, maybe don't follow the Whitecaps too much, but they were so pumped and excited by the performance of the guys in the second half that I think that uh, uh, I hope that is uh, not only for us, of course, it was beautiful, the three points, but also it's going to be a turning point, uh, even for the guys. Uh, I, I listened. I, I came in when you were finishing interviewing Maxim about talking about awareness. Even for the guys here to be aware that we have a good team, for the fans to be aware that uh, we can do something special. But of course, not forgetting that uh, hey, we don't need to stop working. It's just uh, it was fantastic. We celebrated Wednesday night. Uh, not even too much because we were so tired that we weren't able to celebrate. But uh, now we are ready to to do it again. And uh, because the only way to give meaning on what we did uh, Wednesday night is to make points in the next game. Just to, to revisit Wednesday, just a little bit to, to start off with. You've obviously been involved in the game for a long time, a number of teams. Where does that second half performance and that comeback rank for you in terms of games that you've been involved with? Oh, that's definitely, I would say, a top three, at least. Um, I think most impressive part was the way we did it. You know, I think you can always turn turn around the game, but especially when you're playing a tough place like, like Portland and you're down 2-0, usually it's like a death sentence, you know, but... We never gave up. Uh, we talked it out in the locker room, but we have to improve. We we pressed a little earlier. We forced them uh, for errors, and then we created chances, and and we scored three three fantastic goals. So that was really, yeah, I think one of the best second halves we have. Vanni Sartini, Florian Jungworth there, in the top three at least. Very top for Vanni of, of games that they've been involved in in terms of excitement. I think it's going to be hard-pressed to find a game this year that might beat that for our Game of the Year and our end-of-season AFTN awards, which thankfully we are postponing until November. I thought we might have to do it in August again this year, but no, it's great. We're keeping that going. We'll see for how long, because that is it for this part. We're going to turn our attention to the game that followed the Portland game. Was it a hangover? Did they run out of gas? For San Jose, simply the better team. Yes, we'll be back talking Whitecaps Quakes after this. Hi, I'm Vanni Sartini and you're listening to the AFTN Soccer Show.
Welcome back to the AFTN Soccer Show on CITR Radio, 101.9 FM. And kicking off this part, it's our Artist of the Month here at AFTN for October. One of two songs from them tonight. From Down Under Australia, it's The Chats, with I Feel Good. Taken from their 2016 self-titled debut EP. And I was feeling very good after that Portland win. Not feeling quite as good after the the San Jose game because it feels such a wasted opportunity tonight. We spoke about going into the Portland game, going into the the KC game. The other results had gone as bad as they could possibly have gone for the white caps around MLS. Going into this game against San Jose, the other results ha- had gone fantastic, and we'll, we'll we'll come to those at the end of this. But everything that the Whitecaps wanted to happen had happened. And they just had to take advantage of it. It's tough though. Three games in seven days. Two of them against the top two of the top four teams in the division. And the last two of them on the road. Had they run out of gas going into this? I, I don't know. I, I was pleased when I, I, I saw what the lineup was because going into this week before games left three teams had been eliminated from the postseason in the west all three texan teams great stuff going on down in texas football obviously the quakes with a defeat tonight would have been eliminated by the white caps as well i was very confident heading into it and why would you not be after the, the last two games Vanny Sartini made another six changes from the, the starting lineup that took on Portland and they were the, the right decisions. It was a, a back three that I think everyone would ideally have wanted to, to go for. We spoke about it. This should be our first choice back three. Ranko, Godoy, Jungwirt, if they can all stay healthy, that's the back three you want. Brian White leading the line up front beside Caicedo. I was excited by that with the the form that Caicedo has shown off late. There wasn't really much lineup-wise, I, I thought, that that you would think too too much about. But again, they started off on the back foot. San Jose took it to them. And Ibo BC, four minutes in, forced the first save of the night from Max Cripot. San Jose's on the front foot and you're like, oh, are they really tired here? Is... Is there something lacking? But the rest of the first half, there was hardly anything to talk about. It's like my match report when it comes out. I've basically written not much else of note. There was a couple of half chances. There was some scrambles in the Whitecaps box. I mean, how do you feel, Naveed? Do you think the games had taken a toll and they were just a little bit tired? Uh, I think, I mean, with all the excitement and everything, I mean, coming back from Portland from that win coming to San Jose was 
mentally, I don't think it, I mean, you're towards the end of the season. So I don't think it would be something mentally. It was definitely something physically, I think, running out of gas. And we shouldn't forget, I think San Jose, they won on Wednesday 4 nothing. Come against yeah. Austin. So too. they, so they were on a high as well and exactly, fighting for fighting, their playoff lives exactly. as well. So giving all this certain sense, I think getting out of this with a point is actually pretty satisfying. Steve, one shot on target for that whole first half. And that was that one in the fourth minute that, that Max saved. But San Jose dominated possession two to one. And you expect them to, too, because they, they are the more desperate team. Like mm-hmm. we talked about it, they were at 36 points uh, before going in. And they if they had won the game, say, for example, they would have been at 39. They're only like a, a two, three points off the playoff. Yep. Now they're essentially seven. Now, I know you're saying before you said they're not officially eliminated. They are essentially eliminated. Yeah. Yeah. Because the, the other team, the, their max points they can get is 46. And Vancouver has 44 right now. So one more victory or loss either way is they're yeah, out. And Venice, Vancouver's playing Minnesota on Wednesday, so teams are taking points in that no matter what. Yeah, so essentially, uh, like this was a desperate team they were going against, and it was probably yeah. the the fact that they won on Portland against Portland probably benefited them so much that they were able to take it a little bit easy. And I know, uh, I think it was mentioned on the broadcast too that Sartini wants to win every single game, but if you think of it. Getting a draw here basically essentially eliminates San Jose. And mm-hmm. it, and I know you were saying that were they tired? Maybe they were resting a little bit. Maybe they were going half paced or something like that, where they didn't have to expend that much energy. And they were looking for that, you know, that opening to score a goal, which happened in this mm. second half, looking towards Minnesota. Because if you play against Minnesota, you can essentially that's a six point. Well, that, yeah, right that's there. a that's definitely a good old fashioned six pointer. Uh-huh. I, I mean, it's tough, Zach, when you've had such a high like Wednesday night to follow uh-huh. it up because it is going to sap you just physically, mentally, emotionally. Yeah, and, and there was lots of talk in the post game that I heard of you know three games in seven days, uh, you know tired leg, tired tiredness i guess mm-hmm. and players uh who were you know be needing to be subbed and all that kind of stuff uh you had some players who this is the first time they've done this kind of traveling because the two of the games were away right so they've mm. done this kind of traveling out of vancouver as opposed to say portland or salt lake um in the in the past and so yeah i mean it was an exhausting week for them um or has it been an exhausting week for yeah, them? Yeah, they've put in a hell of a shift. It's, uh-huh. I mean, they've been and, tremendous. And, and it doesn't slow up. <laughs> That's the other No, problem. yeah. I mean, three games to go. Three, well, the, the next two in particular, Minnesota and LAFC, massive. It, it, what disappointed me, I guess, but coming away with a point, is you do feel a bit disappointed and deflated on the back of that Portland thing. But as Steve said earlier... If you'd offered us four points going into these two away games, you'd have bitten the hands yeah. off because you'd be like, oh, I've taken a draw in Portland and we've beaten San Jose. So still four points is four points. But a win tonight and a win against Minnesota on Wednesday would all but have secured a playoff place for the Whitecaps with two games to go. Not guaranteed it, but all bar guaranteed it. So I think that plays a little bit into to it and they will be disappointed. But makes them come out all guns blazing on Wednesday. The, the second half was much more entertaining, at least to start with, because both teams came out strong. San Jose had a couple of chances in the early going that they really squandered. 
uh, Benjamin Kikanovich in, in particular did. But then 53rd minute, against the run of play, you've got to say, quick Whitecaps counter, White and Gold, 1-2 to the edge of the box, White gets a shot off, Marcinkowski parries it right to Bruno Gaspar, cool as a cucumber, someone described it all on Twitter to me, <laughs> into the top corner, first goal as a white cap. Wednesday night and tonight, this is the Bruno Gaspar we were promised, this is the Bruno Gaspar we wanted to see. He's had injuries, it's been a hellish time for him, he's now like starting to to make the position his own and like we've talked about oh it's hard to see how you'd bring him back next year if he has a another run of games like this it's hard not to bring him back next year yeah i mean yeah. i think he's one of those guys i guess he needs he needs some time to get adapted to the whole league and mls i mean hopefully we can... For the rest of the season, yeah. we see hopefully he like keeps this. going and hopefully exactly. he stays healthy as well. Yeah. It was a it was a good finish, Stephen. It was a good overall move as well. The link up play in the last couple of games between White and Gold, and oh. Gold's been pretty quiet o- overall, to be honest. But him and White are linking up superbly. I mean, you, when Gold came in, you thought it's going to be like Gold and Cavallini. They're going to link up. It's going to unlock him. But what he's done with White has been tremendous and. It was a great strike but by, by White to, to set it up and good finish by Gaspar, Steve. Yeah, um, I, I agree with that. Uh, I think it was like, if I'm not mistaken, I think they said that there was like double-digit passing in the lead-up like for the Whitecaps. So it wasn't just the link-up at the end there. Um, but they controlled the ball at that point. Um, I guess definitely um, somewhat against the run of play because again, San Jose came out hard on the in that second half as well. Um, but that's that's where we've talked about it before. Like, like we've had very few whitecaps in the past that have followed the shot. Like, yes. you, they, they they don't hit, they don't follow the they watch the shot, but they don't actually run once the shot's taken. And that's something that Gashford did, did, did do here. Now, I will. You guys talking about bringing Gashford back? I'm going to reiterate the whole I uh, Vanny thing again. Let's not just worry about what happens at the end of the season. I personally don't think he's worth it. I think they have they can get some talent there where they're not spending all that money and using an international spot on that position. Well, well I know this the salaries came out. We don't know there's his salary thing, but we also don't know if there's anything else involved. In, in, yeah, it's going to be transfer fees and stuff you would imagine. Like even the loan deal, right? We don't know like how that all works out. I guess, although his salary budget would presumably be what they're spending on uh, uh, on his part of his salary, but that might not be his true salary, right? Because his parent club, oh, yeah. you would think was paying part of it. But and yeah, Axel I, I, had basically said to to JJ and a couple of other journalists on a call that I wasn't on that, yeah, just take the salaries with a pinch of salt. They're not hundred percent accurate. Yeah, um, but yeah, I, I agree, with Steve. Like it's that you don't want to make a decision on that. No. Right I now. know. Don't don't put the cart before the horse, and one doesn't make a summer, and whatever other things it can come up with. And it has only been a couple, like a couple of good performances. It hasn't been like but prolonged. A, he's looked good. B, I love that moustache. And three, <laughs> I finally got to use. Rock the gash bar, rock the gash bar. Sartini, he he like it. <laughs> rock the gash bar, rock the gash bar. Gutted though that 
Chase Gaspar is out of the game on Wednesday, so we're denied the Gaspar versus Gaspar. Yeah. Oh, I'm so looking forward to that. Yeah, I'm, I miss I miss standing next to you in the stand, Michael, for moments like that. Um, I think you're the only one. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's not true. Um, but no, I mean, Michael, if, if you wanted to go with a, a simple classic headline for this game, you could have just called it A Tale of Two Flanks because really what happened here was you had Gaspar... Uh, playing on the left, the, the left wing back roll, and you had Dahomey playing on the right wing back roll, and on the goal for Vancouver, it's yeah, good build up play, great interchange, especially at the top, a nice shot, and Gashbar is coming from the left wing and does well to finish off the, the rebound, and then if you go down the other the other end of the field, <laughs> there was a there was a, a, a there was a, I mean, Dahomey fails to cover. Uh, yeah. to, cover, to cover, I'm gonna. How do you say his name? I'm gonna mis- mispronounce it. Oh, Kichinovich? Benjamin Kikano- Kichinovich. Kichinovich, yeah. He he gives, he's the, that has to be his player, it has to be his yeah. the person he's marking, and he just gives him acres and acres I have a, of space. I have a way bigger culprit than that for this this goal against the Whitecaps, and it's uh, it's a fan favorite of Michael's, it's Florian Youngworth. He was way up the pitch when yeah. you're defending a lead, and there's no way he should be up that high. Uh, and and when when he did that, then you basically stretched out the you know the back two. It became a back two with not proper fullbacks on either side. Uh, and I think that's the biggest mistake of the game. And people, he was actually I think TSN gave him uh, the the man of the match or whatever they call it. And, yeah, I, I was going I, to give him man of the match at one point because I thought he had played well defensively, but then I ended up giving it to Gashbar because I thought Gashbar was good both attacking yeah. and defensively. Yeah, and, and there's no way he should be up that long. Like, you, you can see, if you see the replay, you have Ranko yeah, I'm just moving sticking up the middle. just now. Yeah, you have Ranko with the, uh, like having to run to cover that person crossing the ball in, and that essentially opens up the whole back post. And for me, the homie may be, yeah, when you have a, an attacking right back like that, you know the guy's not going to be defensively strong. You don't push up the park. And okay, but it, actually, so I've just watched it back as well too. And actually what Youngworth is doing is he's – Gashbar is actually the one who's actually cut out, actually. Well, whatever the, whatever and, and the case is. Youngworth is going to take his man, which then leaves the, but the guy open. there's no the need to do that, even for Youngworth, even if Gashbar is up there. Youngworth should have stayed in this back three and he should have held the line. No, uh, but if, so, you, if, you, if you watched yeah, it, then the guy I, would walk in. Yeah. No, because then then you would have had at least somebody else in the midfield to cover. Like he just he just I, I just don't I don't feel you need to push out that far when you're a center back. And I don't know if it's a, but he's not a, uh, he's not a, he's, he's not a normal center playing back. A back three. He, he's playing a when back you're playing three. a back when you're playing a back three, you need to be more stable because you know your fullbacks are not defensively oriented. No, but that's, that's what you have to cover for them as well. Yeah, I, I yeah. I'm sorry. I mean, they're, they're all I, I don't all I don't their place. All I'm saying is I don't blame Dahomey, and I know a lot of people are going to. I don't blame Dahomey 100 yeah, percent for that. Watch, watching again though, I'd play. I'd probably blame Gashbar more than Youngworth personally. To be but, fair though, uh, I think it was a quality goal as well. I mean, the cross oh, yeah. endpoint, the finish was. I mean, but but quality, but, yeah. But Navid, right? If, yeah, I, yeah. if I if I leave you alone with that much space, you're. I can see you hitting that no problem. Not now. He's a good <laughs> years ago. <laughs> years ago, maybe, but not now. <laughs> I've seen Navid score a lot of goals over the years. <laughs> but, but that, sorry, but the thing about the homie though, it's not, it's, it's not that he, it wasn't like he was picking someone else up. No, he was way behind yeah. the play. He was very late to the party. 
Yeah. I mean, uh. like when the team got announced, I tweeted out, I really like this. I just hope that the good defensive side of Dahomey is on display tonight. Well, and it was for a lot of it, but yeah. it did let it down there. Which, which, I mean, another issue is, my understanding is Dahomey does not want to be playing wing back. Yeah, I could see yeah. that. <laughs> which you can't blame him for, but obviously he's making the, the sacrifice you have to within the team, within the team concept. But, I, but I that's not was, where he wants to be. It was disappointing that they couldn't hold on to the lead for more than seven minutes. I mean, they nearly lost it right away because Remedi had a great chance when he picked the ball off Tiber pretty yeah. much instantly and just right. fired it wide. But, I mean, it, it was disappointing. Kikinovic had missed so much, but it, it was a beautiful finish. I mean, he took that... With a it was yeah. like tremendous after that I was a bit nervous because I thought I think that might give San Jose the, the boost but the game kind of fizzled out after that by both teams Dahomey had the best Whitecaps chance just past the midway point of the half and I want to talk about this for two reasons What right? one it was a good shot it was a nice save by Marcinkowski uh, it was tipped away the homie struck it well. The pass that set it up was from Kava, but he was looking for Brian White, and it was an absolutely horrendous pass by Kava. Yeah, it worked out fortunate for them, but as soon as he hit that and it left his foot, I was like, what are you doing? And then it, it ended up going to that. But I think that that summed up Kava's time on the pitch. Again, I, so I have no idea what's going on with this. I shouldn't say with this guy. I mean, I, we, we, we were yeah. talking about it on the post game show, and they asked me yeah, that. I, I, I think he's come back too early from his knee injury. I don't think he's ready to go. I don't. Uh, yeah, that's. I, I wouldn't doubt that the physical part plays a, plays a role. But the more and more I've observed and of him, uh, I have real concerns over like the mental side of his game. Does he want to be here? That's what I'm. Does he I want know. to be there? Yeah, it, that's well, what I'm starting. <laughs> well, the thing is, is I have a conspiracy theory. If you guys want to indulge me a little oh, bit, oh, we we always straight. love your conspiracy oh, yeah. theories. <laughs> and, and and it and it came up because of the article that showed uh, Canada uh, popping up at a 48th or something like that. Oh yes, because uh, now right. he can get a move to UK and, or Europe, and he, or... and he has to play in a, a percent, a certain percentage of the national team, and which is maybe the reason why he came back early mm. to play on you know, the national team games. So yeah. I'm thinking that uh, that's just my. I would, wild that would tie in. It's, it's not Again, that wild, to be honest. No, Kava ultimately, I think, cares more about Canada than he does uh, Vancouver yeah. Whitecaps. That's no, but, but what I'm that's saying is maybe big, he cares about so on him. It's like. Well, He's very passionate about his country. Yeah, no, well, maybe, but it, maybe, it, it, it is, but, Michael, but, then, but it isn't because, like, I mean, the, the, his country is not paying his salary, right? <laughs> but, uh, Zach, but Zach, let's let's revisit this from years ago when he kind of refused some national team call-ups. But, but, Michael, yeah. Michael, I agree with you though. This point in the game, though, I did also. Yeah, you bring on the old boys of, of Salinas and Wondolowski, and it felt like set up for 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 them to San Jose to go on and win it. I. When you've got someone like Cavallini on the bench, though, you should be like, oh, we've got a DP striker on the bench. This is going to bring the spark that we need to maybe go on and get the three points. He is so out of form just now. Obviously, the only way you get form is by playing, but we don't have a lot of other options. That's the thing as well. Ryan Raposo was much better in his time on the pitch than Cavallini was. And that's something that it needs to get addressed I think it is best for both parties that he moves on at the end of the season. 
he was asked at training this week, um, Har asked him, I think, on Tuesday, the, uh, Monday or Tuesday, oh, did, did you, do you want to be here? And he's like, yeah, of course I do. I, let me. I was going to ask. Say, let me guess who was going to ask that question. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. Did he? Did he talk about how long his contract was? For? <laughs> no, he didn't learn that from Freddie. <laughs> so we got we got now for Hart asking those questions. I think we got Jordan Harvey. Um, we got Freddie Montero, Russell Tybert. Oh yeah, Lucas Russell Tybert. You wanted to know if this was his last game. Is, is, and Lucas. <laughs> Cap- Lucas three Cavalini years, too. three or four seasons have passed since then. Yeah. We were joking about that earlier. Funnily enough. Yeah. And then the, the last bit of action to talk about came a minute into stoppage time. Hearts in mouth time as the ball comes in and it's just past the goal line. Florian blocks it, but just can't get his feet out of the ground to clear it. Wando's there. It's a gaping goal. And you're like, oh, that's going to get tucked away by the all-time leading scorer in MLS. And then, as if by magic, Max Cripo appears smothers it Matt what a man my player this season oh yeah mine too like people are always like talking about Brian White uh being potentially the player of the year or whatever for the Whitecaps there's no question it's Max Crippo he's been here all year and without him there have been so many points that would have been lost during the year um especially playing against this back line for not the recent one but the uh the one at the beginning of the year he saved him so many points. Let's, well, like, see that—that's the thing. Like we always have our save of the year thing as well. And so he, he had that. It was a double save, double or triple save again. He had earlier in the season. That was fantastic. He had that penalty stop. That was fantastic. Yeah. They got the win. But this is right up there as well. Just yeah. a, I was going to say a I, simple, but just like I'm not even sure if it's. I'm not even sure if it's considered a save. It probably isn't, to be honest. I don't. I don't know if it was considered a shot because he just bounced on the ball. Yeah. Wando really thought he had his 15th goal versus Vancouver, and you could just see it in his face as he was laying on the pitch after. Like I can't believe. Yeah. I didn't it's like, bundle oh, that across the line. Wando, the, you've just cost your team a playoff spot. He's the Max Crepeau is the reason that we have an ultra clean sheet term. Yes. Yeah. And that saved his ultra clean sheet right there. And, and, and to be fair, Michael, I think Wando has had enough misses this year to cost them the playoffs. Oh, yeah, that's true. I just, just remembered that Which, horrendous one yeah, that... At the just, beginning of the year, yeah. Yeah, rolled over his foot. I mean, to be, I mean I'm, not, I'm not trying to be disrespectful of the all-time winning score in MLS, but... No, because he's, he's also in my team from our cards earlier as well. Yeah, but that doesn't outdo Landy Cakes and oh. whoever else you have there. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, 1-1 in the end, and you can't begrudge Tanazi getting a point from that they, for me they were the better team they did deserve it, they possibly deserved all three points so you take the point, you get back to Vancouver you have a four point road trip, you have a seven day haul that's given you seven points, you can't can't argue too much with that at this stage of the season any players that really stood out for you, I mentioned for me Gaspar was my man of the match, I thought Flo had a, a good game despite Steve shitting all over him there, but <laughs> no I, well, other 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 than that play, he had a fantastic game because he was almost like the um, the catalyst, the emotional catalyst. Oh yeah, well. uh, the way he would like bounce off his teammates and or former teammates and and b- bounce her to the ground. So yeah, I, I, I other than that play, I I enjoyed enjoyed his play. There's no issue there. The whole back three, I thought were good, though, but yeah. yeah. 
Godoy was was in on some good stuff earlier too. Yeah, when you don't notice Ranko too much, he's had a good game. Yeah. No, but I thought Veselinovich actually had some good moments. He actually blocked it quite. Oh no! Yeah, no, I was just being facetious. Um, Max had a good game, but or made a good play on that uh, to save things at the end there. But he had a few other moments in the game where he looked a little bit not like on his I don't know top top form. Um, but the midfield struggled. Yeah, I, I don't think we found this best midfield combination well, yet. Well, the thing is, Tybert wasn't even supposed to start. Apparently, yeah. Mikel picked up an injury in warm up, so yeah, it wasn't even Tybert's. Like, uh, it wasn't. Yeah, I don't know that. And Awosu, yeah, Awosu had a difficult game too. It wasn't. He wasn't yeah. up to the snuff of where he was. He normally. gets like he gets into so many hard challenges over the course of the season. He's been flattened his and balls kicked at his face. He's like, yeah, man. So who took knocks again? Owosu, Gold, and who else took a knock? There was one other player. Owosu had like, he kicked the ball into his own face at one point or something. The ball hit his face. And so yeah. I think that might have something to do with maybe he was a bit woozy from that. We don't have to be worried about Gold though, huh? For the last couple of days. So I, I, quiet. Yeah, yeah, I've got just... my fingers crossed. Let's hope not. Uh, I, I, I hope that I was think, just precautionary. Yeah, I think the fact that he's been playing so many minutes still. Yeah, uh, mm-hmm. I think that, I think that's a lot of reason why he's not up to where. I think once they get past this Minnesota game, and then he's able to get some rest, I think he'll be up and running. Well, the last you've also got to remember that when he came here, Mark talked about oh he needs to get up to game fitness and get up to the yeah, level, right. and he's thrown in pretty much right away because yeah, they yeah. needed exactly. him, and he's pretty much played every game since. Right. Well, he has played every game since, but he's not started them all. But yeah, a precaution, hopefully, for, for Wednesday. But the win would have been fantastic. And as I said, it would have probably gone a long way to securing a, a playoff spot. As it stands, still in the playoff line, above the playoff line, in seventh place, 44 points from their 31 games. Let's have a look at the, the rest of the results in the MLS West quickly. I'll kind of rattle through these. So the afternoon game, which I always find it weird when a game kicks off so early, really, in the West Coast. But it was Seattle 1, Kansas City 2. Big implications at the top of the table. The top two battling it out. KC took the lead. Seattle tied it up. Then Johnny Russell scored the winner against the runner play, it's got to be said, to move KC to within three points of first. And, and this they've got is pro- a game in hand, and they clinched their postseason berth. And this is probably the worst result for the Whitecaps because if Seattle had won, uh, they would have basically clinched the top spot, and they might not have been motivated against the game against Whitecaps mm-hmm. down the road. Yeah. So probably the worst result of the night, even though it made you happy for some reason. Oh, obvious reason. Well, yeah. Oh, also, if the Whitecaps end up finishing seventh, they're going to play whoever finishes second, and then they're going to yeah. end up playing whoever finishes first. So. Yeah, no easy games uh, in the West. But we don't care about the top of the table, at least not right now. We want to get into the, the meat and potatoes of it, which is the playoff battle. So from the playoff teams, RSL didn't play midweek. And it's so tight that saw them drop out of the playoff spots altogether. But they've now got a game in hand over the rest. And despite the travel involved, they probably went to Chicago thinking, we're playing a team in the East, they're not that good. They're out of the playoff picture. It's a fairly poor side, if we're being honest. They've got rid of their head coach. This should be three points at best, one point worst case scenario. And they've come away 
with no points on the end of a 1-0 defeat. They had the better of the early going. I watched this game and they, they were the better team. But then Chicago found their feet. Berich fired them ahead just in the stroke of halftime, got the ball with his back to goal, turned, lovely finish, and then pretty comfortably saw out the second half. RSL, they upped the tempo, they had their chances. Chang had a header that was scooped off the goal line by the, the keeper, but they couldn't find a way past the fire defence. Massive three points lost. And I've also got to say it was a shocking pitch because it had all the Chicago Bear lines on it. Which, in this day and age for MLS, is quite embarrassing, really. I know they've moved to Soldier Field as a temporary move, all the sort of stuff out and whatever, but from an RSL point of view, this is huge. This is so costly for them. Well, I guess Pablo Mastroni is not going to get that shot next year. Yeah, if they don't make the playoffs, he's uh, definitely not. But I don't think he's got them motivated enough to get them. But uh, I know it was a road match, but it's still a shocking, yeah. shocking to lose to Chicago. Especially because, like, reading the the quotes and stuff that had come out during the week, it's like oh, this is in our own hands. Yeah, we didn't play. That's why we're at the playoffs. We can do this. Uh, First chance to make amends. They didn't do it. Then the next game. If you can see the highlights on YouTube, check this out. This was a hugely entertaining match. Minnesota won. LAFC won. And Minnesota dominated the early going in this. I had this game and the RSL game on one on the telly, one on the on the laptop. And Boxall missed a great header just a couple of minutes in. Oh boy. Obviously wanting to do the Whitecaps a favour. He really should have buried that. The LA defence looked all at sea. Minnesota looked so sharp, so quick. Their movement and everything about them was great. Then from nowhere, LAFC take the lead. Free kick. Arango didn't have a lot of power in it, I didn't think. Tyler Miller goes to collect it, goes through his hands, goes through his legs. 1-0 LAFC. Yeah, a Canadian keeper wouldn't have done that. No. And it cut to Heath on the sideline. He was losing his shit. He was just yelling at clouds, basically, at that point. But it it wasn't the the last talking point of the first half. There was a horrendous collision between Ozzy Alonso, Kim, and the referee, Sagiba. Not sure that's how you pronounce the name. I probably murdered that. They collided just inside one of the halves, and the ref had to get stitches at halftime because Kim basically headbutted him and it looked like he was concussed at one point as well, but he was good to go. Second half, LAFC tried to shut up shop because they needed this win. They defended in numbers, but Alonso, who was outstanding in this game, and we'll talk about Minnesota in the next part as we look ahead to Wednesday's game. It was a free kick. Reynoso took the free kick after a shocking challenge on him to, to set up the free kick. It was parried away into the path of Alonso. Beautiful finish from him to make it 1-1. And then Minnesota, the crowd were so into it by that point. They were just roaring them on. Frajapani had a shot that was tipped away. The early defence was under the cosh. But Minnesota, they did they come back against Philly during the week. Couldn't do it in this one. They outshot LAFC 18-5 and... From a Minnesota point of view, dropping two points at home is big. From an LAFC point of view, it's left them three points 
behind Vancouver below the playoff line. Those two teams obviously meeting in the penultimate game of the season. Yeah. It was one I, of those I, games, you want Minnesota to lose from that perspective, but then you didn't want to give LAFC the points either. I think it's a huge uh, loss for both teams because if you look at their, like, the, the LAFC, their last for two, two of their last remaining games, obviously one's against Vancouver, but the other two games are against Seattle and, and on the road against Colorado. Yeah. Those are going to be difficult. They're already uh, two points off, uh, three points off, sorry, off the playoff. So th- that's going to be rough for them. So this was a essentially a must win, even though they still have, and it was on the road too. So I, I think it's a bigger loss for LAFC because Minnesota still has a chance with the games they have. A draw suited neither team here. Um, no. And from a White Cats point of view, that was two great results on the night. Then it was followed up. Colorado beat Portland 2-0. Colorado needed the win to keep in touch with the top two after the, the earlier result because playoff positioning, home field advantage, it's all massive just now. But the win secured the Rapids' playoff berth, so that's three of the seven all tied up now. Pretty even first half in this. Dominic Baggi headed the Rapids ahead two minutes into stoppage time. Diego Rubio headed home a second just past the hour mark, then he hit the post shortly after that. But it was a, a well deserved win for the the Rapids in the end the Timbers now three straight losses I said in last week's show if the Whitecaps could beat them they'd be dragged right back into the the dogfight and they are now it's it's crazy how string three wins together string three losses together the impact that that has then the the last game of the evening played at the same times as the Whitecaps won Galaxy 2 Dallas 2 Oh, this could have been so different. The Texans shot to Galaxy to lead by two at half time. Zach's boy Jesus fired a long ranger in to make it 1 0 in the half hour mark. Franco Yara made it two, four minutes before half time. Then, storming second half from the Galaxy, Chicharito pulled one back from the spot in the 65th minute, but it looked like Dallas were going to hold on. But then Legette stuck his leg out, poked it home, 83rd minute. Two all. Then the Galaxy went for it. Ten minutes of stoppage time in this one. Obviously, the league would love the Galaxy to, to be in the playoffs, but two big, big points dropped by the Galaxy there. So, fantastic weekend results from a Whitecaps perspective. They couldn't quite make it a 100% successful weekend by getting the win themselves. But where this leaves the, the playoff battle in the West just now, Seattle... 31 games, 58 points, they're first. Kansas City, 55 points from 30 games. Colorado, 55 points from 31 games. Portland, 46 points now in fourth. LA Galaxy, 46 points in fifth. Minnesota, 45 points in sixth. Vancouver, 44 points in seventh. Salt Lake, 42 points in eighth. LAFC, 41 points in ninth. So you've got five points separating the teams from fourth to ninth. This is going to be an absolutely crazy three weeks to end the season. Yeah. Uh. You can't underestimate the, the, what Johnny Russell did today with that goal. Like, I think, I think the fact that those games to end the season are going to be so big for those top three teams is going to play. Like you said, with LA, who, who got changes things a little bit. 
I would have given them quite a, you know, quite a bit of breathing room. Not obviously not quite clinched it, but the fact that they're playing these games against teams that are still have everything to play for and they're still fighting for that top spot, which you know they covet, is just, uh, yeah, it was mad. When you text about the message about that goal, I was just like, oh, yeah. I wasn't actually watching that at the time, but I turned it on so I could see it. But, yeah, it was it, it, that was a massive goal and how everything's going to play out at the top and at the bottom yeah. of the it, it, It's a division in three bits just now because you've got the eliminated teams that are just fighting to make it difficult and players are fighting for contracts. You've got the top three that's battling for what could be a massive home field advantage and you never know, could be hosting an MLS Cup depending what happens in the East. And then you've got these teams, six teams, battling it out for four playoff spots. And one of them is going to get home field advantage in the first round as well. It's so exciting. The other disappointing thing about tonight's result from a Whitecaps perspective was a win would have moved them to 12 wins, which would have been equal with Minnesota. So then a win against Minnesota would have given them that tiebreaker against Minnesota and put them level on on wins with the Galaxy. That win record of 11 that the Whitecaps have could still prove very costly in the grand scheme of things. Of course, if if they win out, it doesn't matter too much. And I, I think if they win two of their last three games, I think they're in. Yeah, and I, I think that a lot of teams have a lot of different schedules ahead. For me, the, we were talking about the Galaxy dropping two points and, and like similar to LAFC. Their next two games are in Kansas City and in Seattle. So how many points do you expect them to have? And then they finish up with Minnesota. Um, that's why this game against Minnesota is huge because if they can win that one, Minnesota's remaining games are at home against Kansas City and in Galaxy. So if you look at that on paper, a win against a win for Vancouver against Minnesota, basically they they can top both of those teams in the standings. Um, that that puts them LAFC. I don't. I'm not sure. I don't think they make the playoffs at this point. No, I don't. Th- I think they're not obviously close to being officially eliminated yet. Yeah. But I think it's a very tall order for them when you look at their schedule. When you look at the amount of teams above them. The other yeah. crazy thing is fourth place and a home playoff game. I know I'm getting way ahead of myself, but it is within reach. And that's, that's, if you'd said that four or five weeks ago, I'd be like, "Yeah, what? Yeah, <laughs> not possible." But the thing is, Portland's got the probably the easiest schedule. Yeah, they they they, they host Houston. I mean, Houston, Austin, and San Jose. Those should be winnable games for them. Yeah, so they probably the, still will secure that. Yeah. But, hey, we've just gone down there and shown we can win. So even if we finish fifth and our first round game is against yeah. Portland. And I think fifth is very doable at yeah. this point. Yeah, and right I, and now, obviously, if you look at who the first round opponent could be and it's the same top four, Portland's the team you want. Yeah. And the thing is, they get the benefit of playing against uh, Minnesota on Wednesday and then almost having a full week off. Whereas other teams are going to be playing the weekend and then the weekend a week after that. So the other teams are going to be worn out while Vancouver has that one-week break in between. I mean, it's just so exciting in the West just now, which makes it a little bit weird that the big national TV game tomorrow is Houston (laughs) at Austin. (laughs) I think since we're we're also talking about the standings, we should probably take the time to congratulate Bruce Arena and the New Englands for winning Supporter Shield. Yeah. 
What, what a season. season. What a season. 69 points. That's nice. nice. That's nice. 21 nice. wins. 20 long. points ahead of Philadelphia. Yeah. <laughs> he can take it easy, but at the same time, you don't want to take it easy because nah. you don't want to lose any momentum and they're already going to lose a little bit from having the bye week. But we, we, We've been talking about it since last year. Like You cannot... You cannot... I know he had the debacle with the men's going back to the men's national team, but you cannot doubt his ability to get things done in this league, mm. to evaluate talent and to use talent in in the right ways. Like, I, I'm not and, like and, I'm not his biggest fan. Like, I I mean I haven't had the encounters that Steve has had to have with him. But, but and and uh, and and the thing is, looking at his face, you don't expect the team to be very exciting. But no. it is. <laughs> I always like the drippy cartoons. Hello. My name's Bruce Arena. Anyway, congratulations, Tim. Next White Cats manager. In which case, I'll cut this bit out of podcast so that no one. Can I don't see him ever future. coming here. That's yeah. not if Bob Bradley ever came here as well, I'll have to do some editing of our older shows as well. But anyway. Although he plays on turf. Oh, yeah, he plays on turf, so he's maybe not opposed to that. <laughs> oh, yeah, maybe. Anyway, we talked about the big game that's coming up on Wednesday. We're going to get to that next after this. Hi, I'm Alfonso Davies, and you're listening to the AFTN Soccer Show. Last week, pulled a root in the back of my youth. I was cautious, double rap, but I still got the clap. Welcome back to the AFTN Soccer Show on CITR Radio 101.9 FM. And kicking off this part, it's another song from our Artist of the Month for October here at AFTN from Australia, The Chats, with a song from their 2020 album, High Risk Behaviour. It's a song, I'm, I'm sure, Zach, you can relate to this. You meet a Queensland girl, you pick her up, things get a little bit frisky, then before you know it, you double wrapped, but you still got the clap. Ah, oh, terrible. But yeah, John Herdman was saying how much he was looking forward to, to having the clap in Edmonton. So be careful out there, Zach. I think he, he was me- meaning the, the Viking clap because, yes. <gasps> that maybe doesn't translate very well on a podcast. But I was do- I was doing the Viking clap there. I wasn't just having a seizure. I, I just find it I just find it funny that the clap is done in the V section. Oh. Yes. Oh, some someone sent me a message this morning um, that I might have a new favourite player. She plays for Hungary. She scored against Scotland. And her name is Fanny Vaggio. Ties in with the song there. Anyway, Canada are playing in Edmonton very shortly. Zach will be going through to that one. We'll obviously have him quarantining for 14 days when he comes back. <laughs> Um, hey, got, got my tickets. Got my tickets. I'm hanging out with the the slamo. Is it going to sell out? 
I was on a call with Herdman this week and he was calling on all Patriots to get out to this. Yeah, that was awkward. Yeah, well, let's not have the conversation. Play, yet, play but... well in Alberta. That's, <laughs> yeah. that's what we agreed. But, um, but I mean, the sales went like really good. Yeah, the they've opened it up a deck. Wow. Yeah. I believe. They've opened oh, it up wow. a deck now in, a, in yeah. Commonwealth Stadium. I know some people yeah. had to get up a deck because they couldn't order right away because they, whatever, work or whatever many, they couldn't get, many, get on. How many of those tickets were paid in pesos, though? Ah, yeah. But there, there is a, a dedicated away section. Yeah, the way it should be. Of course, these two games getting played in Edmonton. The next one, maybe two games against the US and then Jamaica could be getting played here in BC, at BC Place. The expectation is the, the game against the US in January will be. Yeah. And some exciting news that came out today. It was on Daily Hive. BC Place is getting a new turf installed after the, the Whitecaps and the Lions season wraps up. It will be in by the end of January 2022. It has to get all FIFA approval and everything like that. But it would mean it would be in for that game against the US at the end of January. Now, it's long overdue. It's yeah. about six years because it was put in for the Women's World Cup Women's in 2015. They right. meant to have a five-year lifespan, so it should have been replaced already. Um, so, I mean, this is good for Canada. It's good but, for the Whitecaps, and it's maybe good as well for Vancouver re-entering the, the race for World Cup host city. Oh, that's going to be played on grass. But that I was going to say that... The women played the World Cup on turf. I was going to... I was going to say that the uh, you could say five years almost happened because of the fact that nobody played on that tournament yeah. last year anyway. Oh, so yeah. That's, probably what, did reach that's literally probably what they said. Hey, yeah, no one used it for this year. Let's just keep another year. Um, huh. Michael, I know you were joking in part there, but like, is there an actual possibility where Vancouver could re-enter the fray for 2026? Yeah, Horgan, Horgan has said it. Is still... Yeah, but it doesn't, doesn't matter what... What Horgan says is one thing. It's what the CSA. Oh yeah, and, well that's but, all I've based that on. Is oh yeah. Horgan, I, but, but the thing said is, a couple of months ago. But we right. know FIFA. FIFA wants the games played in Vancouver. Yeah. They want it to be highlighted in big cities. Easy I, access. Easy and despite what some US. recent poll had of Commonwealth Stadium being Canada's best stadium, we know it as BC Place. Well, yeah. well, in terms of how many it can hold and just oh, the, oh, how oh. it looks and, yeah. and the location. Yeah, obviously, and Swan Guard is the, the best stadium. No, no, no. The, no. Well, okay. Like, I know we've sidetracked here, but what would you have then as Canada's best stadium? Like actual stadium for yeah. football. I would probably choose Stad Saputo followed by BMO Field. BMO impressed. I mean, they're, they're, gra they're just their they're grass pitches and just the stadiums themselves are, I mean, they're... They're not like real football stadiums, if you know what I mean. They're more like lower, like, I mean, they're they're not like, it's not an actual stadium. It's like stands or that are put up, right? Um, but I, I, yeah, I would choose probably Stad Saputo and then and then BMO Field. Uh, BMO Field is awkward to me right now with what they, they have removable stuff in the end zone and the one the one side, mm -hmm. which I guess is because of the pigs. Wow, well, it's a CFL stadium. It's the National Football Stadium, Michael. The National CFL Stadium. <laughs> no, Canadian no. football. It's Canada's National Football Stadium. It is not. There is no such a thing. No, it's true. I don't like it, but that's the truth. Really? Yes. When yeah. they built it, that's what it like. There's. 
That's why there was all these issues with... But we have the National with, Development Centre here, National Training yeah, Centre. <laughs> you can't have the training centre on one end of the country and the stadium on the other end. Well, that's Canada, man. It, that's, oh. a, that's, a, that's a Whitecaps name thing. I don't, I don't know that that's... Oh, Anyway, let's hope BC Place gets this new turf and it's exciting and bouncy. That's yeah. all, all we want. And... I've, I've heard, so January is happening, obviously. March, the, the March game, the, the thing is Jamaica game you just talked about, that I I wouldn't bet my house yet that that's going to be in Vancouver. But I would, I'd bet your house on it. Yeah, I'm, be, I'm betting your house on it now. <laughs> <laughs> the January one will be at BC Place. The other, the other one, it could be in Toronto still. We hope the turf will not be put in until mid-December at BC Place as somehow the Whitecaps managed to make the playoffs, win the West and end up hosting the MLS Cup. That might be a bit problematic I, to get I, I, don't, I don't think the seventh seed can host. <laughs> well, no, if they play the seventh seed in the East. Oh, oh, right. Yeah, right. Sorry. Anything can happen in the COVID times. That's right. the way I'm looking at it. A big step to doing that, of course, would be winning against Minnesota on Wednesday night. Let's have a quick preview of that game just now. So both teams have to fly into Vancouver for this one, obviously, because many were at home to LAFC today. And the clap, the claps, I'm obsessed with that song at the start, <laughs> the Caps, <laughs> it could be the, the new nickname for them. The Caps flew straight back after the game and got in in the wee hours of Sunday morning from, from San Jose, so they'll have a bit more time to recover. Now, Minnesota are a different animal away from home than at, at home. They head into this one with an overall record, 45 points, three games left to play, 12 wins, nine draws, 10 losses, 36 goals for, 38 against, so a minus two goal difference, their away record is 3-6-6. Six, and six. And it's massive that this game is at BC Place because Allianz Field, it's electric for their home games. The fans just bring something special to, to the atmosphere. It really raises the team. It helps them go to a, another level. They did that against Philly midweek. They did that against LAFC today. We need BC Place on Wednesday to be the 12th man for the Whitecaps. Plain and simple. I thought Vanny was the 12th man for the Whitecaps. Okay, 13th man then. Un unlucky for some. Hopefully unlucky for Minnesota. Looking at Mini then. Few danger men. Alonso, outstanding today against LAFC. So for me, he's a big danger man. He was good defensively and offensively uh, against the, the Goats. Frajapani. Load, dangerous in attack. Reneso leads the team in 10 assists. I really like him. He's a great wee player. He's got four goals in the season. Uh, Lord leads the team with eight goals. Who now? Has six. And Frajapani also has four. Frajapani's got nine assists to be sitting in the team as that as well. So a very dangerous team uh, in attack. What are you expecting from this one, Zach? I... Th uh I think Vancouver is going to come good at home. I think they'll get like a one goal win, like a, a one nil or a two one. But I don't think you can count out Minnesota. Uh, I think that they play when they're flowing. They play yeah. some lovely football. Yeah, that Reynoso is a really really quality player, and um, you know Boxel will want to make up for his miss from <laughs> from Saturday. <laughs> Let, let's hope it's the same Boxy that turns up, or the the twenty eleven Boxy that'd be even better. 
Yeah, that that that, that one the, that that person no longer exists, Michael. He's much no, better. He's he is. He's he's very good. What about you, Steve? What are you expecting from this one? What are you expecting oh. from Minnesota? They're going to be massively up for this. No, I'm actually expecting. I I, I expect Vancouver to route them out. Honestly, really, um, Minnesota played oh, every. Green. Everybody except for one player played 90 minutes, 90 minutes plus today. And you mentioned it before. They were putting everything into the game in order to get this win, and they didn't get it. They will be disappointed. They'll be worn out. And I think, and you mentioned that Gashbar is not going to be with them. They are yeah. going to get, they're going to get a player, I think, suspended midweek, the back uh, for this game. Um, I think it's their right back or something like that. Uh, but their left back is out now. And we know Vancouver's strong points are wide, especially in attacking. So for me, this should be a route. I don't know if it's going to be a route, but it should be a route. Yeah, I have to agree, Steve. I have a good feeling about this one, too. I mean, like I said, where they're at in terms of the confidence level and just coming back out of this road trip, I really feel like this could be a big one for the Caps on Wednesday. And the question I have, though, is it going to be white or is it going to be Caps starting? That's going to be interesting. Oh, it has, has to be. Has to oh, be it has white. to be. It has to be white at this point, yeah. Oh, absolutely. I'm I, I'm confident he... for this one as well. Yeah, I mean, I I think Minnesota can't afford to lose it. That's the thing. So it's going to be interesting how they play. And I haven't seen Minnesota. I've watched a few of the games this year. They were my tips to win the West. So obviously, I know nothing about Western Conference, but I haven't really seen them play defensive. They like to attack. It seems to be the only way they know how to play. And if they do that and they're not firing on all cylinders and they're tired, we definitely have players that can take advantage of that. It's just how tired we are at the same time. But, but the thing oh, is we, we but the thing is we rotated players out today. So yes. there are players that go, were able to get some rest that they didn't play the full ninety. And the from what I uh saw a little bit of the Minnesota LFC game, that their ninety minutes were much more physical. Oh, or uh, demanding than what uh, Vancouver's yeah, minutes were. Yeah, it certainly was. But before we turn to the Whitecaps lineup, let me just play a little bit of audio from after the San Jose game. I asked Vanny just what he's expecting from Minnesota and what he's, he's expecting from the fans as well. Here's what he had to tell me. I just want to ask you a little bit about the Minnesota game that, that's coming up midweek. I watched their game earlier today as well and dropped two points at home, but they're a very dangerous side. What are you expecting from them when they come to, to BC Place? Because they're a much different side away from home than they are at home. Yeah, they're a good team. And, uh, you know, what I expect to them is uh, they're playing a very, I was even pleasant offensive football. They attack with the... Uh, kind of a even traditional way with wingers with with fullbacks that overlap. So they attack with a lot of players. They have Reynoso. They're playing between the line. So we'll need uh, we'll need to do the thing that we 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 have done so far at BC Place in the last uh, few games. Uh, so uh, be very aggressive and uh, organized with our pressure and. Uh, uh, try to exploit the space that uh, a team like Minnesota that uh, uh, kind of uh, uh, like to 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 attack with uh, with the wide players a lot. Uh, it's gonna it's gonna leave uh, on the side of the two centre backs. 
One of the, the big advantages that Minnesota have when they're at home is the crowd that they've got at Alliance Field. And like tonight, they roared them back into the game and I've seen that in previous games. What would be your message to, to the fans for Wednesday? Midweek games tend not always to get the, the numbers in. What would be your message to, to rally the fans in? That we need them. That we need them. That, uh, again... Uh, it's not. It's not. Uh, it's a team effort, and the team effort includes the fans. So there are there are huge part of uh, the fact that uh, BC, BC Place became a fortress. So uh, I know it's going to be a Wednesday night, whatever. But they, they've been fantastic so far, and I know they will be fantastic. And if and if they can come even with uh, a higher number, yeah, uh, they're going to. Again, I say every time. It's called the playoff push, so we need someone that help us push too. So the fans that that should, uh, uh, they will actually not they should they they will help us for sure. The gaffer, Vanni Sartini there, with his thoughts on Minnesota. Massive game coming up. What will he do? Lineup-wise, today I, I thought was the, the, the strongest defence that they go out. I, th I think we know we're going for a 3-4-1-2 or a 3-4-2-1. It's going to line up that way. And if Ranko, Godoy and Jungwirth can go again, surely you have to go with that. Or are you worried that there might be tiredness there and you maybe put Jake back in at the back? No. They, no. So up front, because the midfield's the, the interesting one here. Up front, I think it has to be white. Do you put in Kava or do you, you keep with Caicedo? Is, is Kava fully, like, is he at 100%? Like, I don't he know. says he is. Like how long is I mean, I don't know I don't know what kind of character he is, personality wise. Like him on the bench. Oh, okay. <laughs> I would I would I would say put Kava in there to start if he if they feel like he's hundred percent and cause Casado off the bench uh could be very dangerous, mm, especially yeah. against a team that's yeah. very tired against Minnesota. Um maybe Kava and White can wear him down and then uh, Casado's speed off the bench can really attack him because you got like a box all and uh, Debussy at at on the center back. I don't think they're that fleet of foot, uh, and Alonso especially. Yeah, I was thinking Steve something similar in terms of keeping Caicedo as a powerful impact, a speed player off the bench mm -hmm. would be put Dahomey up top with White. Dahomey would be a good option mm -hmm. too. Yeah, and then up and top. then you go Gaspar on one side and maybe Brown on the other side. For yeah, your... I think Brown will, will feature. Yeah. Uh, maybe Gutierrez as well. Oh, Gutierrez, yeah, sorry. If Guti's if Guti's good, I go Gutierrez and probably. Well, I probably go Gutierrez and Gaspar. Yeah, being at I, home and I, I think that's... I, I kind of I, I don't mind Gaspar off the bench too because he came off the bench for Port against Portland and he look how much yeah. effort he put in there. So him being off the bench it would be ideal, but I just I'd like to hold some defensive ability as well on the bench, so I don't want to put too much defense. Well, in that one, you then you'd have you'd have Caicedo and Cava. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The up front might be an interesting one because I don't, I don't like him 
playing in midfield where he's so much is asked of him well, defensively. Not, not that not that not that part part of midfield. If he was a little further up, then that's yeah. fine. Where, he, like you said, he doesn't have defensive responsibility. I, I, I'd like to see Gaspar and Gutierrez on on the on the flanks. I just hope Cava won't be problematic beyond the bench <laughs> for the locker room. <laughs> no, he won't. <laughs> he, 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 so. It's in his interests to do well if he is wanting a move as well. The middle yeah. of the park is the is, is the big question because you're going to be going up in a battle at some point probably against Alonso. So you need a little bit of bite in there. If Owusu can go, I guess it would be him. If Bikel can go... Bikel and Uso, or do you put Baldy in there as a guy that isn't afraid to to shirk tackles and just goes for it? No, I, I think Bickle and Owusu would be the best bet if they're good to go. The bigger question is, and maybe you were saying this for the last, Michael, is what the heck do you do if somehow Gold's not good to go behind yeah. the two speakers? Um, uh, if he isn't, I don't well, know. If he isn't, I, I guess if he is, you put the homie there and keep Gacero up top. Yeah, that would work. No, I think Gold will be ready to go. Yeah, I think he didn't. It, he didn't see, it didn't seem to be that concerning on the. On I, initially, I, I was just because anytime anyone's holding like anything around about the knee, you're like, oh. Do you think Russell won't start? Russell? I don't think he will. No. No. I, th- I think well, he wasn't supposed to start today, so I think oh. going, but maybe if Bikel's okay to go on Wednesday, I think he, they'll rest Russell and have him coming off the bench. Because yeah. but Russell would be an ideal person to go up against Alonso. Just because yeah. he gets under people's skin. Exactly. Like that too. Was sorry, remind me, was Bikel supposed to start today? Yeah. That- yes, he was. Yeah. 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 So I mean, we know that Vanny likes to to change his team up a little bit. And in many ways, like we kind of half joked about this, but half meant it as well. It's great because it confuses us. So it's gonna confuse the opposition because they have no idea who they're going up against a lot of the time. And it's so different to, to what MDS wanted because he wanted a stable lineup. He wanted to try and run that lineup into the ground. He spoke to me before about that's how it, he did with San Francisco and they won a championship. He knew who he could rely on. So it's been very different under Vani. I asked him a little bit about that on Friday just to get his thoughts on squad rotation now that we are at the business end of the season. Here's what he had to tell me. A lot of coaches uh, at this time of the season, they want to keep a regular starting lineup. But obviously with the amount of games that you've got coming thick and fast, that makes it very difficult and with the injuries as well. But d- are you the kind of coach that when it gets down to the last couple of games, if you've got a healthy team, you want to go with a core starting eleven, Or do you feel like mixing it up, the freshness keeps the opposition on the toes as well? I think I have uh, 25 players and uh, it's, uh, it, it would be uh, narrow side is a right is a word uh, to, to just uh, to narrow minded to just focus on 11, 12, 13 players. I, I as we say every time we are a team, a team, it means that uh, the team is more important than everything. The, our leader are not, is the our way of playing. Our leader is our work ethic. Our leader is uh, is the collective. And uh, uh, that situation, I think I'm very lucky because I have a lot of players, to be honest, that could be the starters at the moment. Uh, literally, I, I would maybe 20 players that can be starters at the moment. And 
So my responsibility is to put who's the readiest. I think that in modern football, if you're not uh, 100% or at least uh, the, the best in your position in terms of uh, physical condition, you can't play any mental condition. And uh, that's the reason why I think that uh, turnover and changing lineup, you can say is my style, but for me is... Uh, it's the way that football is going and it's the way that football needs to be going. So Vanni Sartini there just talking about lineups and Vanni says it's modern football. You need to have squads, you need to utilise squads. It's very different. You can't just rely on that. And he feels he's got 20 plus guys that could be starters just now. Fair, I, I, I think. Some of them you might not be your first choice starters, but it does feel that the squad depth is good and whoever we bring in, I think we can rely on them pretty much. There's yeah, no one that all... if I see on the team sheet, I'm like, oh no. Yeah, because at this point, they're all very similar level. They're not the greatest players, but they're very similar. They put a good effort. Uh -huh. And that's that that's ideal. Like if you're three DPs, obviously, uh, yeah, one of them is not doing that much. But if, you're, if your designated players or your top players are playing every game, you can rotate people in and out. And that's where it's beneficial to a team like well, this. we only have Especially, two DPs. Yeah, exactly. And then, and one's not doing that well right now. So, yeah. the, but, but if you're getting performances out of players that you're not expecting, like we talked about White, like we don't expect this to happen all the time. But you, he is kind of getting in the games and everything yeah. like that. So it's 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 interesting to see who's available and and if he can pick, Vandy can pick up on who's doing well in training and pick those players and hopefully they do well. Then that's that'll be beneficial for them. It'd be interesting to see once they get in the playoffs who's their starting eleven. Yeah, that's when you're going to have to be a little bit more settled. I would think it's straight knockout games as well, so yeah. you have to get your best team out there. As I said yeah. before about White, you just like right now you ride him like a Blackpool donkey and just get the best out of him. Let's get our predictions for this one. I'll kick things off. I'm going to say three-one, Whitecaps. Zach. Ooh. Yeah, I already said. I'll say two, let's go two-one Vancouver. Steve. 3 0. David. 2 0, Vancouver. Oh, full house. We're so confident. <laughs> what could go wrong? <laughs> Should Tune I change my prediction? <laughs> <Seven o 'clock. laughs> so, those of you who are into, into betting, you heard it here. <laughs> yes. I, I could change your prediction. I'm willing go to against the, go against the go against the flow. <laughs> Never Not our flow. The flow. No. Yeah. Oh, just talking about flow. He, tonight against San Jose. He was very keen to make sure that he was no longer a San Jose player. I loved Taco and Espinosa three minutes in, little shoulder into him. It's like, hey, not an earthquake anymore. <laughs> anyway. And he had that shouting thing with uh, Cal near the end. Yeah. yeah he, the previous game up here as well, he's putting himself about and getting in the middle of it. Love, love the guy. Last little bit of Whitecaps news. Uh, it was officially confirmed after us talking on the show for a while and Axel talking to us about it. Whitecaps under-19s, the very first team announced for BC League One. I'm hoping that there's going to be a team announcement every Friday. That, that would be excellent if they can get the seven teams announced over the next seven weeks. But the Whitecaps are in. Very exciting times for development and on the women's side as well. Did they announce the Whitecaps team first because they knew Axel couldn't keep his mouth shut and so they decided to just put it out there right away? Maybe. <laughs> Do we, do we know who's coaching the Whitecaps women's team? 
it'll be Emma Humphreys, I believe. Oh, right, yes. Okay, you talk about that. Yeah, she's she's the overall in, in charge of it. I'm assuming she's going to be the coach as well. Maybe not, of course, but she she's overseeing it all for, for sure just now. So we, we are going to speak now, to Emma for, later on this it, year. I, th- I think initially she'll definitely be this, the coach. Uh, so is that a, over the years. Is that the professional? Is, it, is that a semi-professional? It's semi-pro, game? so players so, can get paid. They can get yeah. paid. But the, oh, the Whitecaps are doing their under-19s team in it okay um they're going to be playing it said in the announcement they're going to be playing out the development center which right away goes against the minimum stadium standards for the league so well i guess we'll we'll see how that that one plays out there might be an exception for them yeah because of the fact that they are uh they're a name they could always play out thunderbird stadium as well but they might have a little bit of competition over the summer to to play out there because it's obviously used a lot but there's a stadium in the u.s might be available no, maybe not. <laughs> <laughs> if you build it, they will come. Oh. If you don't build it, then the team will fold a couple of years later. I think that was the the story. That's such a tragedy. Build of bad dreams. Mm-hmm. That was that was. I mean, you talk about the Vancouver and the World Cup earlier. That was the, the whole New West thing was such a sad political thing that was just yeah. it's, it's, it, it was really sad for, to get elected like yeah. it was really sad for new west because they could have really done, like oh. like how's that softball going right now is that bringing in a lot of people and stuff like that like that it could have on. been it could have been something special instead yeah. instead hopefully one one day on that side of of the river there's cpl that will be special yes. yeah for uh, sure could have been something special tale of my sex tape anyway <laughs> Moving on to this week's wavelength, and I, I, I've wanted songs this month that's all about fans taking the power back and against modern football. So, what is the one thing just now that fans are really hating, apart from maybe big money taking over teams? It's the World Cup getting played in Qatar. Now, oh, okay. I've got an interesting song about that for this week's wavelength. It's from a, a Norwegian comedian. But there's nothing funny about the topic of this song. His name is Rasmus Wald. And this is his song protesting about FIFA corruption and the World Cup going to Qatar. This is called Never Mind the Slavery. Feels quite bizarre, but the World Cup is here Arranged in Qatar, where it's illegal to drink beer They ain't got no stadiums, but in the lack of places to play They hired foreign workers, but the workers get no pay They work 15 hours a day, and they got no place to run We close their eyes when they collapse, under the Arabic sun But there are more important things than a random skinny slave Except if you're gay 
of the football world. FIFA does what FIFA likes. We gave the cup to a nasty place, because we got paid by Qatari shikes. Friends were shikes and oligarchs, if Altino saves the day. I got no time for human rights, wanna watch my country play. Wanna watch my country play. Wanna watch my country play. Rasmus Wald, never mind the slavery, keeping it light here on AFTN to round off the show this week. But it is actually, it's something that I feel it's not getting talked about anymore. It was for a while, for for anyone that's been living under a rock, there's been lots of worker deaths in, in building these stadiums in, in Qatar. And obviously people were questioning how did Qatar get it in the first place? And at first, there was lots of outrage. People were talking about it all the time. But it feels it's all gone so quiet recently and no one's really talking about it. Once the World Cup gets there, folk will just enjoy the spectacle of it and it will all be forgotten about. It's like there was lots of protests about when Russia was hosting 2018, then it took place and no one cared about it anymore. And I do think it's going to be the same about Qatar. And... People are wanting this song to get out there and to go viral and to raise the message again and to put this in the spotlight. And I really hope it does because I, I feel it is something that still needs to be talked about. It's it's gonna it's a tough situation because it's 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 something that constantly gets swept under the rug. Like we saw in Brazil too, uh, all yeah. the people protesting that kind of stuff. Like every time there's an Olympics or or FIFA or FIFA tournament. There's always going to be wrongdoings and stuff like that and things that don't look good. But in this case, this is probably the worst, I think, at this point because yeah. of the fact of where they do it. And like you were talking about that song, you can probably check out their video on uh, YouTube. Yeah, and everything like it's that. got all they the lyrics on it as well. It's very good. Yeah, yeah. and it's it's got the it's like it's a subtitle official music video unofficial FIFA World Cup 2022 song. Yeah, so definitely check it out, and if you believe in the message, and why would you not, then share it, help it go viral. That's what we're here to help. He's already got three hundred. He's already got three hundred thirty-five thousand views on on YouTube. Yeah, oh. it's actually the last couple of days since I discovered it just by accident this week. It came up in as a recommended video, and it's yeah. really shot up in the last few days. Yeah. See, see, I don't think you can compare this to to, to the Brazil because Brazil was putting stadiums in places where they wouldn't be used again. And so it was yeah. a, a misuse or misallocation of funds, some argued, when there was yeah. uh, there, there was obviously major uh, other uh, political, economic, social issues going on in Brazil. This is like, this is like, I forget the number. It's over thousands right now. It's like several thousand people. No, that but what that's what I was saying. I was yeah. saying it's over a thousand people they, have lost their lives building these stadiums in, in conditions that are less than ideal. And, and no, that's why I was saying that there's always been issues in all these things, but this is way worse than uh-huh. anything that's ever happened before. I wasn't comparing it, but I was just saying there's been issues in the past yeah. in these type of countries. I, 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 it's hard. Yeah. I mean, it's, I've, 
hang, you know, connecting with supporters from around the country. I've heard people say I'm going no matter what, even if Canada doesn't make it. I've heard people say I'm going if Canada's there. I've heard people saying I won't even watch it on TV because I don't want to support uh, the World Cup being in Qatar. Um, so I, I think in Canada, there's quite a widespread spread view on things. My my take with all World Cups has been if Canada's there, I will I, I, I know. want to be there. I want to be there. I, I've said that about yeah. Scotland and Canada, and there's a good chance they could both be there. I yeah. genuinely don't know that I can stand that heat, though. It's well, yeah, I don't know if I'll actually be able to do afford to go to go to. Well, yeah, there's that as well. Plus, there's also COVID just now because the world's going to have to be a very different place when we want to jump on an airplane to go to Qatar yeah. and be amongst people from all over the world. But yeah, we'll see. There's but a yeah. this could. Yeah. This probably would have been the safest place for me to go, considering the color of my skin and everything. Yeah. Well, we'll we'll uh, send but, you as our correspondent, Steve. We don't mind but, doing that. But no, I I I plan on Merry not Christmas. going. Like like I've talked about it before that uh, WWE uh, as an example. I do not watch their programming anymore oh. because of the Saudi Arabia stuff, which yeah. they just had another thing in there. They, they go to Saudi Arabia to put on shows there, Zach. Oh, big shows. It's so, also it's I, sports washing. That's what they're trying to do in all these countries. And yeah. it's proven very successful. It's propaganda. Because, yeah, because ultimately, folk, the event starts and the majority of the people watch it and forget about every other aspect of it. And that will happen with the 2022 they, World Cup. And, and, and I basically stopped watching it since they uh, put the, the they put on that show after the journalist was murdered. That's yeah. They, by I, the I government. Mean, yeah, and they, you're right. This is done actually... Not even in places like this. It's done in places. There's all kinds of things that happens in places that host these major events. Didn't yeah. didn't like Vancouver when they hosted the Olympics? Didn't they bus out a lot of people in the downtown East Side to have them not kind of around during the but, Olympics? But but they relocated them probably to they probably better. They didn't like like beat them over and then put them in wagons and no no yeah there. okay you're not gonna get away with that stuff. But yeah, if you relocate them into better facilities, maybe they and it was voluntary. Maybe that's a fine thing to do, but. In these kind of situations, you're right. It's just not worth like what they've done there in Qatar is not good. I, Obviously, yeah. we'll hear from Simon Fudge very soon, but that's beside the point. Um, let, let's just finish the show with, with some good news, some feel good news. First of all, well done to UBC's men and women qualifying for the playoffs in Canada West. It was touch and go for the men, they had to beat UVic tonight, and they scored three goals in the first nine minutes to come away with a 3 0 victory. Can't knock that. The women looking outstanding as well. They're going to have a home playoff game next weekend. If you can, get out to Thunderbird Stadium and cheer them on. And talking of women's football, what time was it today, Zach? It was five past the Kiwis. It oh, certainly boy. was. And it was an arch rival Kiwis. Oh, yes. Oh, the <laughs> John Herdman Derby. Yeah, we took Herdman from them. Yeah. Yeah. It was a very comfortable and comprehensive 5-1 win for Canada and a friendly over New Zealand in their celebration tour to celebrate the, the gold medal. Jesse Fleming with a 12th-minute penalty. Christine Sinclair, four minutes before half-time. Michelle Prince, double from Adriana Leon, and New Zealand got on the score sheet with a, a penalty of their own. But great win, great atmosphere. Wasn't it ironic had. Wasn't it ironic that this tour kicked off Sorry. with a Jesse yeah. penalty? <laughs> Yeah, it was the perfect start to it. <laughs> it was it was scripted. I'm, yeah. Obviously, it wasn't. This game was not fixed, but <laughs> it, it could have been scripted. Let's let's put it that way. Who, who are they missing? Grosso and uh, Ashley Lawrence. Anyone else? 
Um, I think that was it. Because I know Gross is still with a team, but she's got a medical issue just now. Was Utema there? Yes. Yeah, she played. The the whole, the whole, everyone came over. That was on the the gold medal squad. I like the the jersey. It was nice to see the jerseys with with gold in the Canada. The yeah, CSA's logo and gold and stuff. Yeah, I saw the, I saw some of the highlights. So was, yeah, it was just over sixteen thousand people there as well today, which was a, a good yeah, turnout. Next game on Tuesday in Montreal. Yeah, in Montreal. Yeah, our our friend Har is over at those two games as well. So what's the over under on going above five goals in the next one? I think they'll do the same. I, my hope was that like Sinclair would these this tour whatever long it would get her to the two hundred mark. So I think she has, like, is it 12 to go? I, I have said to her that if she gets to speak to any of the New Zealand girls to ask them about Celebrity Treasure Island that I've been watching for the last month. I've been really into my Kiwi TV in the the pandemic. But before uh, today's game for, for Canada, there was two big announcements. One, the Canadian Women's Players Association has now got an official partnership with Can PFA. So that is great for, for the future of the sport here. And then a, a statement were, was issued before the game by Canada Soccer on behalf of the women's national team uh, regarding safe sport. And we won't go into it all just now because it's obviously a very serious topic and we want to give this a bit of time, maybe get her involved in our discussion for this as well. But it's all around commitment, accountability, safe sport for all. It follows, obviously, the the Barada thing that's going through the courts just now, everything that's happened down in the US with, with coaches down there, and just to get a, a safe sporting environment for the women and the girls' football throughout Canada. It, it's a fantastic step forward, a long-needed step forward, but it's just that it's just the start of everything and what you feel could be a tip of an iceberg of things that that's been coming out recently as well but great to see yeah i i think there's lots of people who think this is long over overdue and obviously um i mean it would be nice to have the court stuff all settled and so we could have clarity. Yeah, it feels on. like that's never getting a settlement at this stage yeah like it, it's been a year of it feels like it's been like 10 months of Eight, eight adjournments and, now, is it? Yeah, which that, I yeah. don't think that's. We'll, we'll, we'll cover that another time as well. Yeah, but but I, I think that I think once that gets finalized, it'll help. The it might help with this situation and and uh, how how things move forward. Um, but yeah, I mean, lots of people today talking about how they feel. This is this is great that they made the statement, but they feel it's like long overdue, and I, I'm pretty sure the players felt it was it was long overdue. And for me, like, I, this is definitely something that should have been done ages ago. And a lot of people ask Candace Soccer why this is not being addressed uh, because they had a hand in this because he was a coach in their system as well. I think it was U20 or what? U20s, I can't remember what level it was. Yeah, U20s, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so the fact that this was, and they were the, they're the national brand. Like, people are ragging on the white caps all the time, but they were the national part of it where they should have addressed it much sooner than what the white cap should have. And for me, and I know again, no foundation, uh, nobody's probably going to ever confirm this, but I think this has a little bit to do with the, the national women's team um, using this tour to make sure that this gets announced and maybe, and I'm not saying they did, but there might've been some mention of threatening not to play these games. And you know how important these games would be to CSA's like 
bottom line essentially because they're getting big crowds there and they might have they might have threatened like we've seen it in the past where the u.s women's soccer team has threatened not to play games and all the stuff that's and and they probably saw that all the stuff that's happening in the nwsl with all the things going there like people resigning people getting fired and stuff like that that they they that, that, let's get this going as well and it's it's good that they use this if they did and i'm again i don't know if they did or not but if they did fantastic use of this uh uh, you know, celebration tournament to uh, get something addressed that should have been addressed in the first place on its own. It's certainly long overdue. Ho- hopefully, the start of big, big change uh, in the game here. And it's a serious topic. We want to give it proper airplay. So once Har's back, we'll get her together. As I said, I want to speak to Emma Humphreys as well. We've got some audio. I had a, a chat with Bev Priestman recently around the League One BC having a women's league and what that can mean to the women's sport here. So we'll bring that out, maybe in a, in a special episode as well. We might even wait till this, the season's finished as well and, and do some of that stuff as well. But that is pretty much it for this week's show. Before we go, let everyone know where they can find you online and anything you might have learned this week, Zach. Yeah, for me, it's at Zach Graham on Twitter. And... Uh... Two games without uh, without the Fonz, both ending 4-0 wins. It's good for Bayern Munich. But I just hope he gets back on the pitch so that he's good to go in November. Mm. Hashtag Fonzie Watch. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at WhitecapsBeat. Yeah, folks can find me on and Machine Show on Twitter. And what I've learned is actually as related to Zach with Bayern Munich. Well, Julian oh. Nagelsmann got COVID and... Apparently, five people or five players on the squad didn't get vaccinated. So it was interesting to me. Yeah. That's a big topic. Well, I right saw now, some anyway. stuff. Yeah. I saw Man Manu tweeting some stuff out about that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He, he picked it up in Portugal, uh, Jane Ags. So yeah, he's, he's oh. there in the Champions League. So he had to take a like a private uh, ambulance train. Yeah yeah, yeah. 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 By himself. And he's in quarantine. So yeah. Uh, Top Muller's been. Been, uh, overseeing things on the sidelines right now but yeah it'll be interesting to see how things play out in terms of uh those who haven't been vaccinated and mm-hmm. uh, exactly that's two things to worry about with Fonzie now <laughs> right i'm michael mccall you can find me on twitter at aftn canada read our stuff away from the numbers aftn.ca and give us a follow on youtube youtube.com backslash aftn canada like subscribe turn on notifications we have all our VMSL videos up on that. Had a good one from a cracking game I saw on Friday night there. We will be back soon. Until then, thanks for listening. Take care, stay safe, mon the caps, and allez la rouge! Going to your first match is an experience you never forget. The atmosphere of what's going on around the pitch looks beautiful and you always look and go, wow, I'd love to play here one day. If you get the bug, it's going to stay with you for life. Ten minutes left. Yeah,